welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 142. Hey, Albert, I heard you want some chips. I brought some Lay's, I got some Pringles, I got some Wavy, I got some barbecue, I got some salt and sour, I got some vinegar. Hey, I love chips. All right, so welcome, everyone. Welcome back to episode 142. Uh, it's been a little bit of a while. Just life has been crazy for us. Uh, sorry about that, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit crazy. Oh, oh, has life ever been crazy? Yeah, yeah, it's been nuts. Yeah. More nuts for you than for me, we, but mine's been a little bit nuts too. Yeah, we've had all sorts of issues. First, we had somebody do a hit and run on my car, and then we had to go buy a new one because the insurance people totaled it, and then... My wife ended up going to the, the ER for a pinched nerve and wow, taking care of her and driving kids back and forth. It's It's been, I have not had time for a lot. Yeah, that's no fun, man. That, that's no fun. Hopefully life is going to calm down a little. No doubt. Yeah, I took my dog to the emergency vet last week. And then this week I found out my job ends in a couple months. So, joy. <laughs> Fortunately, I got time to find something new. Hey, if anybody's looking for an Oracle programmer, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, on with the show. Let's talk about some games. All right, so let's do that. Um, I've been playing a lot of games lately. Uh, tonight, I played um, Escape with my son a couple times and then solo. That was fun. Escape, the curse of escape the temple. The, the curse of the temple? Yes. The crazy dice rolling stuff. Did you use any so, of the expansion stuff for it? So the first game we played, it had been a while, especially for my son. So we just played the, the base game. We lost. I don't think we even came close. And then the second game, we added um, the quests. So we played with the quests, and and we won that. Actually, we won it surprisingly quick because uh, we just had some good abilities and stuff. Did we actually? I think we played three times together, and then I played a solo game. But I, no matter what, it, it it was just it went well. And it was fun. <laughs> I like that game. I really enjoy it. I don't play it often, but it's just fun and it goes fast and it's tense. Yeah, it's a really good game. I actually have not had my copy for a while. For me, it really sort of got fired by Flatline. If you played any of that, mm, I still haven't played any of those. Yeah, Flatline more or less fired um, Escape for me because it's still pretty wild and crazy, but there's less times where you just don't remember what this particular object or item does or follow the rules. And the fact that with Flatline, there's a minute of craziness and then a minute of non-craziness and you have a chance to calm down, chat up your strategy. I I just prefer Flatline to Escape. Escape is still really Mm -hmm. good, but Flatline just sort of fired for me. Yeah, no, I'm 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 happy with Escape. I don't need another one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, what else have I played? Albert is resisting my attempts to sell him on new games. That's right. Yeah, that's because I don't have a job. I won't have a job. <laughs> I can't spend the money. What I need to do is sell my games. Oh, I played um, a, a game I hadn't played in like four years, which is AD30. Um, it's a victory point title about uh, Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. And that was I played that last night. And that was fun. That's interesting. It's it's very much like a state of siege game. They didn't market it as, it, as one, but basically that's what it is me- mechanically speaking. And so that that was neat. And I played two games. First one to relearn the rules. Second one because now I knew it. 
and I finished and I thought I had done really well and I looked at my score and oh no I didn't <laughs> not even close I've played other stuff. I'm trying to play a lot of solo games in January just so I could post a lot of stuff in the uh, solitaire games on your table list. I think my <laughs> record for one month is nine games or seven games. I'm trying to break my record. I'm trying to hit ten. Nice. Yeah. We started our Charterstone playthrough too. It, this is what uh, okay. This is not the solo. Because I've been the, the the rules basically say you can't do Charterstone two times at once. But uh, yeah. They really tell you that? That's to so play it twice at Two separate games at the same time? Yeah, because it seems like the rules come out at different times, and you remember which rules you have in this game versus this game, or things might be different. So, yeah, the, the recommendation, it's actually on their fact, is to not play two games at the same time. But otherwise, it was awfully tempted just to pull out. It's good. I really like it. So I was really tempted to pull out solo. How many plays into it are you now? Um, we are four plays into the 12-game campaign. Okay. I do not have a recharge for it, which means that once I finish it, um, I'll have to probably see by getting a recharge kit to try and play it solo. So, and so you're destroying components in this? Oh, yes. Okay. You very much are, because you, the, the game has a, about half of the cards in the games have stickers on it for the various buildings. And so you'll put those cards on the main board, and then you just have at that point in time cards without stickers which do have other things that they do in the game but the stickers go out on the board and once that's done it's done it's fixed it's finished mm, i see okay neat and so how much is how much is the game and the recharge pack together do you know just curious uh if you're looking at miniature market it's 50 bucks for the game and 20 dollars for the recharge pack okay so that's not too bad so that's 70 dollars for 24 games Plus infinite versions of whatever final board state it is that you have that I haven't gotten that far. So I don't know what that means exactly. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So so you could play it multiple times, right? Each time you buy a recharge pack, you could play through it again. Uh, no, the recharge pack lets you refresh it once. And after that, you will need to either mock up a new board, I guess, or buy another game. Oh, this is the double-sided board. Yes, it's a double-sided board. Gotcha. You use one side by recharge back and use the second side. So I don't okay. know if they have any ideas to market, hey, here's just a board recharge pack, but I don't really know. It's definitely not an item that they have right now. Well, that is interesting. Um, what else? I've been playing some Lord of the Rings again, which I've been enjoying that. That's really good. As a matter of fact, I mean... Well, I could say it now. We're having a small giveaway this time because I played a Lord of the Rings Fellowship event in late December. You know what those are? Those are these uh, the events that Fantasy Flight holds for the different LCGs. Yeah, yeah. And um, you go and everybody that participates gets a, an, a reward, right? And so the reward was um, a playmat or, or giant mouse pad, as I call them, which is really cool with a map of Middle-Earth and a deck of cards and a, a cut... Um, an alternate art hero card of Galadriel. Yeah, I think it's Galadriel. And so so I played a four-player game, and there was three awards to give out. So we ended up, it was me and my son and two other people. My friend of the show, Tim, which he's like the original listener of the show. And, and uh, this other guy, Daniel, I think he listens to the show, but I'm not really sure. So if you do, hey, Daniel. And hey, Tim. Um, so anyway, we played the game. At the end, each of us 
well, my son and I shared the, the our mouse pad, and they each got a mouse pad, and then we did the same thing with the cards. And they both said, you know, we don't really play this game, so we don't want the cards. So they gave me all the extra decks. So I've got two decks of cards to give out. Nice. Mm-hmm. So anybody that wants them, this is the, uh, I think it's called Assault and Dolgodor. You're going to get that and the Galadriel variant hero. Send me an email and just tell me what's your favorite uh, combination of heroes to play or something. And I'll pick some winners if if anybody wants them. And I'll send them out to you free of charge. And when are you closing that? You have until about February 6th. And then I'll, I'll draw a winner after that. Or winners. Winners. Because i got two sets to give out. I don't have a lot of the rings. Otherwise, you know, I'd be much more interested. But hey, if you got anything from the Arkham Horror Invocation event, I'll take that. <laughs> oh no is there an event for that at the, the stores now there is there's an invocation event um where you get a promo uh investigator and a playmat neat okay so some stores have had it our local store hasn't done it yet we think we're supposed to have it uh this coming sunday really okay I'm be have to next ask sunday my... for those of us who are live recording <laughs> <laughs> okay so I, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to ask my store if they're gonna get that. I I don't know if they plan to or not. Those mouse pads are always neat. I like them. Are you doing the Arkham Horror thing still? I haven't played it much, but you know, if there's an event and a free award. I'll get it. I'll go. Well, I don't know if it's free. You have to pay. <laughs> I, I have to pay for uh, it. Okay, it depends. Our store did the Lord of the Rings event for free. In this case, I think in part because they 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 thought there might be more players and there were things to give away. It's been a while. Actually, I uh, took a trip up to Baltimore, and so I had a chance to catch up on some of my podcasts. And I was listening over to the Engine Guys. Every night is game night. Uh, you're familiar with that podcast, Albert? I'm pretty sure you are. Yes, I am. Anthony and uh, and Jason, right? Actually, I'm going to be recording an interview with Jason tomorrow of uh, Rory O'Connor of Rory Story Cubes. Very nice. And we're going to probably host that on both this show and that show. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So I've had a chance to catch up with some of them. Tonight they they ran through the uh, top 100 this year. And they were talking about Mice and Mystics. Mice and Mystics is a scenario-based campaign role-playing game, I think is the best way of describing it, which is geared more towards family gamers. Um, Even in its more Mm -hmm. difficult modes, it's not very difficult. It's pretty much on rails and it's not so hard to get through it. It's not like (laughs) Gloomhaven. Uh, but it's a fun little adventure. Go through it. You control mice, um, humans turned into mice who are having an adventure to try and defeat the evil queen. And you roll dice to try and do hits and things like that. And you have abilities. Uh, pretty standard role-playing game fair. And at one point, I was like, why would people want to play mice and mystics on the solo game? I'm formally declaring blood feud. What do you mean, why would people want to play mice and mystics? What is this? Not every it's game, a game. It's a fun game. And not every game we're playing for the challenge. Some of this is really just for the experience. Like, if you pull up, let's talk about a Zelda game, you're going to get through the game. It's not a super huge challenge. In fact, some of the more recent ones, they get easier as you start to fail more. But those are designed to get you through the whole thing. The point is to play through it and have fun playing through it. It's not always supposed to be that there's a challenge. Granted, there are often games that I like that have a challenge, but there are sometimes where I just want to play through a game and have the experience of playing through it and enjoy going through the scenario. That's one reason why Mice and Mystics is 
a good game. It's a well-designed game, good mechanics, good story. The game's mm-hmm. art and components look really nice. I'm, I'm saying things that we discussed in our review before, but it's a really good game. There's a very good reason why it's on there, and even though it's on rails, even though it's designed for you to win, there's a serious place for it. And if you haven't tried Mice and Mystics, I definitely recommend trying it. It's a lot of fun to go through. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a fun story. It's a neat game. So, you've heard it here. They were wrong. I declare blood feud upon the engine people. <laughs> All right. You know, this won't go live until after the recording, right? <laughs> that I have Jason <laughs> no, tomorrow. Good. <laughs> All right. Okay. There we go. Blood feud declared. Um, that Fortunately, we don't live in the same city. <laughs> I bruise easy. So, yeah. Definitely had a chance to catch up on some <laughs> podcasts, but I think we've also had some chance to catch up on some news. And I believe you brought in some interesting stuff. I brought in a couple news, not a lot. Um, Van Ryder Games just this last week announced uh, two new releases coming on Kickstarter. The first one, I believe it's coming out in February, maybe March, I'm pretty sure it's February, mid-February, is a game called The Big Score. It's a, it's a game for one to six players. It's played in two acts. It um, The first act has deck building, and you're I guess you're trying to build up a nice little deck and then you play a second act which is a little bit of a push your luck in which you're now doing a heist trying to break into a bank i think and steal some loot and so this is a game where you keep drawing loot counters trying to get the treasure trying to get the right treasure and sooner or later the cops are going to show up and so your choice is do i keep looking for loot or do i get out before the police show up because because once the police show up you know i think if you're still in there everything you got they they could take from you so you would basically lose. Um, sounds like a neat game. It actually reminds me of a game I played in the past called Infiltration from Fantasy Flight Games. They no longer publish it, but it was part of their... Um, oh. what is it? It's part of their Android universe, I think that's what it's called. And it's the same sort of thing. You, you break into a building to steal some data, and your goal is to get as much data and get out before the security shows up. Fun, fun game. And if that was fun, I imagine this will be also very fun. It sounded very similar. And so again, this will be Kickstarter in February. Um, the second announcement they had is a set of graphic novel choose your own adventures coming out. These are a set of game books. They're going to release five of them initially through Kickstarter. And they're originally published in French by a company called um, Makaka Editions. And uh, uh, apparently that word is a, a racial slur, so I'm sorry to say if it offended anyone. But... Uh, these are basically like comic books that are choose your own adventure books. So you, as you're flipping through it, the story will tell you, okay, now, you know, choose to go this way, turn to page 75, choose to go away, turn to page 80. Um, one of the titles they're publishing is called Captive. This was actually published a couple years ago in English. Uh, again, these are originally French books. And it was released by Blue Orange Games. I've played through that one a couple times. It's very dark, but it's a really cool story. Very nice art. I played another one called Knights, which is not going to be released by Victory Point Games at this time. But it played very different. Each each of the books from what I see are, are very different in style. Um, with a lot of interesting art. Sometimes the you have to find stuff in the art, for example, to figure out what to do. It may be hidden in there. It may be text. It, it just depends. And so I'm really looking forward to these. Um, these will be, I believe, uh, they announced May. So there you go. That's my, my two bits of Van Ryder news. Now, hopefully I could have uh, AJ from Van Ryder Games on the show again soon. I want to talk to him about these. 
Um, so we'll see soon, how, when we could do that. Have you had the opportunity to to test out or play any of these? Uh, like I said, I played the captive game already, and he's publishing that one. He's republishing. It was re- originally published by Blue Orange. They released it in Nessun two years ago, and it didn't really go into a mass distribution. I think they just published a few to see how, they, how it went over. Did you like it? I liked it, yeah. Because the story was dark, so I've been hesitant to play it again because it was a little bit creepy. But but I love the way... That one was not really kid-friendly. The the other one, the Knights one that I played, definitely is. So so it just depends. You know, I'll include a link to the the French website that lists all the books they make. Um, so you just get get a feel for what types of books they have. Very neat. I'm really looking forward to it. And things that I'm been excited about. They just released. Do you remember the Dresden Files cooperative card game? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's hard to say because it sounds like CCG, but anyway. Um, so the Dresden Files Cooperative Card Game, they've now released the digital version. As I'm a Kickstarter backer, I got all the expansions for the digital version still. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Neat, is it? Okay. Yeah. That's right, because you like that game. I do like the game. I think the game is also really fun. Um, I'm enjoying this one as well. The playthrough on it is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying enjoying going through it. Yeah, no complaints. (laughs) Nice, okay. So cool. it's an excellent implementation, has a nice tutorial version, has interesting music. They actually have a piece of music for each of the different books. Uh, has live online play. You can play solo. You can play pass and play. Very good implementation of a game that I really enjoy and definitely a little worth looking into if you're a fan of the Dress and Files co-op card game. Uh, what platform is this on? Uh, released for Android and iOS. Okay. Nice. Do you know if it's a free app or, or what? It is Probably not a free app. I think it's six dollars. Okay. Oh, that's very cool. So yeah, if you're a fan of Dresden Files or the game, check it out. Alrighty, so today, in case you didn't pick it up from our intro, we're going to be reviewing two chip theory games. We're going to be reviewing Too Many Bones and Triplock, their two most recently released games. Um, we're going to be starting by talking about Too Many Bones. You cool with that, Albert? Mm-hmm, yep. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this because I've been curious about this game. Chip theory games is Too Many Bones is a new, what they call a dice builder RPG, which is a different type of way of calling it but it's rpg that you have your character that you're going to be picking through that and he has various different abilities that are unlocked him every time you purchase an ability including any of your starting abilities you will get a die associated with that ability so you may pick the shield maiden i'm making these up you may pick the shield maiden ability and so it comes with a shield maiden die each character has 16 unique dice associated with that character you'll buy it and you'll put it on your little map which is a uh, a playing map with cutout spaces for the dice to it and then everyone has their own has generic dice the attack dice the defense dice they also have a deck stat which determines how many dice you can roll and then on your turn you're going to take any dice that you want to be able to roll roll them up move around the board try and defeat the enemies and get through all the scenarios when you're playing a a campaign game there's going to be multiple different days the length of the game is determined based on which enemy it is which big boss it is you're trying to beat so the some of them are shorter some of the longer but you go through it each time you'll have another encounter you'll go and beat up with some of the baddies 
until you either win or are completely defeated and lose. Run out of time. And that is Too Many Bones. Mm, okay. I, you know, for some reason, I thought it was another one of those games where you're making a character, not where you're actually playing through an adventure. You do not make any characters. There are The base game comes with four characters with it, each of them with their own set of dice. You are not making a character. You are playing through a character. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's neat. So, let's go ahead and start by talking about the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do appreciate the rules when they give you a tutorial in the back of the rules. I kind of wish they had said at the beginning, like, hey, go read the back. Because <laughs> at the, the back, it's, it's actually really good. There's a lot of flair and polish that they put to it. Uh, tried to put in theme and ideas. So two of the characters have a tutorial to teach you about how to play the game and how to set it up because the game does have some complexity associated with it. And when they go through it, so they go through setup, they go through the first adventure, they go through leveling up, and it's the two characters sort of having a little spar between the two of them. It's really well written, and it really gets the point across. If you just go through it and you set up and do everything with them, it helps you understand how to do it all. That was a great tutorial. Huh, <laughs> but you don't know about it until after you've learned the game. Well, well if you <laughs> flip through the rule book, you're fine. It, I kind of wish the front cover had said, hey, tutorial here. That would have been grand. Uh, I did know about it before I read the whole rule book, but I did read through the whole, whole rule book first. In terms of the rule book themselves, the glossary, I, I think that the glossary issue is there's one available online, but there's not one with the rule set that I used. And I had already learned the rules before I realized there was a glossary. So I haven't actually looked at the glossary or the appendix. So the rule set that I had um, did, and I'm at the version two of the game for anyone who's commenting, because I know there's a version one. I'm at version two, and I know at this point in time there's now a version three. But oh. I'm at version two of the rules of the game, and I don't know what's different in version three. But I'm at version two of the rules, and so it doesn't have that glossary, so it's hard for me to look up. So recently I had an issue, like I didn't understand what a certain thing did when it has multiple targets and the thing. I was like, well, what does this icon mean? What does it do? Lo and behold, that means it does a ranged attacking against everybody. Ah, I see. But I couldn't find anywhere that tells me where all these icons are, just like an icon reference sheet somewhere in the rules with an appendix for it all like the last page in Gloomhaven in that rule book that would have been great on the whole it's pretty good a couple things that I think they've solved online or there's online resources at this point in time for solving it so rule book was pretty good did have some issues but was pretty good um, once you get into it get playing you definitely will learn the rules enough that especially if you play it enough times you get really familiar with it and you'll have any issues with the rules goes just fine there's also a nice player reference sheet that tells you about all the different things i assume that some of the stuff in the player reference sheet was not put into the rules like about dangerous darts and stuff like that or player abilities because that gives them the ability to add more without having to print a new rule book so that's fine with me so that's about the rules albert i assume you haven't had a chance to actually look at the rules or see any of that no i have not Uh, are you going to have anything to say on this whole section I'm just going to listen. I, honestly, you know, though, I, I was expecting you to give neg- negative feedback about the rules because, well, honestly, that's been my experience with chip theory games. Their rule books are very nice looking, but often a little bit frustrating. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll see if any Maybe. of the other games. I don't, talk I don't about have enough other. I don't have enough other experience with other chip theory games. This was actually my first one, so I couldn't okay. say. Well, they've only made three at this point. Well, I mean, there's a couple versions of Hop, Hoplomachus. Hoplomachus. And then this, and then um, Triplock. Okay. But, yeah. My my I'll experience was. Yeah, I, I wish it was a little clearer. So the only one you've done has been too many uh, trip trip lock and hoplomachus. That's the one yes. you talk, you're familiar with. Yes. Okay. Okay. So let me move on to the theme section then. For theme for this game, I kind of felt like this was a let's throw all of the fantasy tropes in there and just go for it. <laughs> they the gear locks is what they're called. These gear locks. Like somebody asked me, well, what exactly is a gear lock? You sort of take goblins and elves and put them together. But some of these guys, like all of them have character. So this is like saying, well, what exactly is a human? You know, there's all sorts of different humans. Well, there's all sorts of different gear locks. So I couldn't really like put them together. There's no real trope that they mesh with. So you have different guys who are sort of different tropes. And then meanwhile, you have orcs and dragons and... All this, all this fantasy theme, like all the fantasy tropes and fantasy themes, are just sort of stuffed into this box. <laughs> okay, so something for everybody. Well, I don't know if you mean. I don't know if you're necessarily saying something for everybody, but it does mean that the idea of a gear lock, this race that you pulled together, I have a lot of difficulty really defining them as anything other than they just are what they are, other than. You know, make sure that they have long ears when you put them in the art. Like, what are these guys? I don't know. It's fantasy themed. <laughs> okay. It's fantasy themed. That's about as far as you can get. And just there's all sorts of different types of different types of fantasy themes in here. You know, you got crazy bombers. You got poisons. You got big dumb stupid. You've got flying dragons. All all sorts of different. Are all the characters of Gearlocks, or just some of them? The main your guys are the are gear locks. The bad guys are all different sorts of things. Okay. In terms of how well the theme comes through, theme comes through pretty well. You, you know, the, all the different characters have thematic appropriations for it. You know, the different character, different abilities. The characters, the bad guys, who like the poison guy does a lot of poison. So everyone comes through and feels thematic for their different type. But it just sort of bothered me that like you didn't push anything other than it still feels like generic fantasy as graphic as these characters are. Like you created a new race and a new story. It still feels like generic fantasy. You didn't actually tell me anything about these races. I'm going to compare it to Gloomhaven. For example, with Gloomhaven, there's a number of different races and I start to feel the story of those different races. The different races feel different. They feel like I can tell you more about them. Like there's a ghostly race or there's the big brute race, or there's the mind thief race. And so like you, you have, you start feeling a sense of what these races are and you can start really explaining them and have a connection to them. But with these gear lock races, they just didn't, it's all feels thematic, you know, it gets you into it, but I really feel like a, there was a bit of a drop ball, by not really telling me about what these gear locks are, mm-hmm. which may just be, you need some more writing or like a mini novel or something like that, which I probably wouldn't get anyway. But that may just be where that needs to come from. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and their name and the way you described them, they sound compelling. I, I want to know more about them. You, I would love to know more about mm-hmm. them, I, but you don't really understand what the gear locks are other than just the characters in the game. Yeah. Or at least I don't know what they are. 
I, I don't know if the designers have said it somewhere else, but based on the information I have available to me, I don't really know what they are. Otherwise, everything seems pretty thematic. Okay. So let's continue on with our Goblin Elf mixes, these gear locks, and talk about the components of the game. This is a chip theory game. Really high quality components. I think this is pretty standard fare for chip theory games. If you like high quality stuff, I think in general you won't really go wrong with chip theory games' entries. I think Albert can agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, their stuff is, is top notch. Yeah. The dice are really nicely printed. The chips are really nicely printed. The game comes with an insert that, while it takes up a bunch of room, is just perfect for the base game. Uh, I may have to start figuring out a way if I ever get any of the expansions, which I currently don't because they are expensive. Um, I may have to start figuring out how to take up less room in the box. It's a pretty big box. The box is a big square shape. It's not going to fit on your shelf very easily at all, but it has to be a big box to hold all the dice and the mouse pads and the board and the rules. It's So it's got to all fit in there and it's all really nicely done. Everything is great. Mm-hmm. one nitpick because I feel like again I always have to have at least something that's not quite good <laughs> um, for the health chips the game comes with the cheaper poker chips they have the really nice poker chips which is the baddies and the characters things like that and then for the health chips which if you're not familiar with the chip theory game the way you track health in this game is you take a big stack of poker chips one health chip per life that you have stack it on a character and put your poker chip on top to show the health of that particular unit the game itself comes with the cheaper version of health chip and you can't get the premium health chips i don't have those we'll talk about the sec for the regular ones they're these these light plastic they don't really stack well if you've ever held like mm. uh checkers uh chip in your hand there are nubs and notches in a poker ch- in a um, checkers chip to help it hold together so that they don't slide off so well. Yep, like the edges have that texture. Right, there's a texture in the edges to help it hold together. There's a, some sort of texture in the middle of these ones, but they didn't put any sort of texture to hold it together. And they could have. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Well, that's interesting. So... I don't know why they didn't do that, and they certainly could have. And yeah. I've heard some other people say, well, the solution to that is you get the premium chips. They're really heavy, and they hold together quite well. Yeah, so just pay a bunch more money. Uh, yeah, Problem right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the same I'm, thing with Hoplomachus. It's, the chips are just like that, and you could buy premium chips, premium health chips. I mean, have you had any problems? I haven't had any problems with them actually bumping over, but I've, been, I've noticed it, and I've been careful for it. Have you had any problems with things knocking over, Albert? No, not really. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if maybe there's some sort of magic there that prevents it from bumping over. I've not done any tests to see if it should bump over, but it doesn't feel like it's locked in place. And so I've just been careful with it. I wish they had something there that makes it clear that they're held in place at the very least. I don't think there is anything there that does hold them in place. Mm hmm. So that's all about the components in general. Everything is really good. Oh, actually, I take that back. One other thing that I'm going to debate about, and I think this is going to be similar to debates about the tokens in Victory Point games. 
Too Many Bones comes with the new plastic cards. They're waterproof cards that you could theoretically send these cards to the wash and no issues about it. They're completely PV, they're PVC cards. Um, there are a lot of people who think that's awesome. I am not one of those people. I think that the PVC cards have a lower resolution to them, which makes them harder to read. And the art in, in the game makes it really nice, but I think that maybe the art and the PVC makes it hard to read. Now then, I'm not saying I have any issues with that, but if you're one of those people who, who needs very clear cards, make sure to give that a shot first. And I would have preferred standard playing cards to the PVC cards. And that's just my opinion. And there are definitely other people out there who think that these are the greatest things since sliced bread or heat printed dice. No idea which. But, <laughs> you know, that's certainly my opinion and my preference. It's not at all enough of a deal breaker because the game is still really good and the components are still really good and there's a lot of people who like it. But that is certainly my opinion. And with having said that caveat enough times, I'm now going to move on. Okay. So, again, about the components, just in general, they're all really good. I mean, they look really nice when you look at the pictures. All right, going on to the gameplay of it, this is probably going to be the largest section here. Uh, the gameplay is really good. We'll, we'll do that. It's okay. very tactical. They use a battle map, which they have. It's a 4 by 4 grid to sort of abstract away uh, location for the game. You have short range and long range, and you're always one of the two. And so, like, when you're playing something like Gloomhaven or Descent or something like that, like, there's a lot of point-to-point, -point, there's a lot of space interactions about how far you are, and you're, like, running to keep up. All that is gone here. We're either in close quarters or, or long quarters. Almost reminds me of sort of, like, a Warhammer Quest adventure card game type thing, where you're either there or you're not. And I kind of I, I like that. That's actually fun. That's really good. I like that they've abstracted it all away because you still have a lot of tactical decisions, but it's, it's taking those tactical decisions and sort of reducing them down to the actual decision points rather than making you mess around with like board states and tiles and locations and things like that. You just make it all tactical. I, I like that. It also means that every scenario it's easily understood between the various different scenarios without having to include even more components for a whole bunch of tiles and things like that that's good i really like that battle map. fun way of making good tactics um in terms of how the dice building stuff works each of the players each of the uh, well most of the dice excuse me most of the dice have a bones side if you're trying to roll for something it could be that you'll roll exactly what you want to get a hit. You could roll two or what your ability may trigger. And for some of the dice, each of the different dice faces, uh, dice faces will do something different. And you may want one specific one or you may not. Or you may roll a bone. In general, a bone counts as a miss because it is a dice game and it is possible to just keep missing. But 
That missing is mitigated by the fact that bones count towards your backup plan. Each of the characters has their own special backup plan, which when you get enough bones, you can trigger to do all sorts of crazy things. Or if you get six bones, you'll be able to get leveled up to your super special innate ability. And so there'll be sometimes like, I want to miss, I want to miss, I want to miss. <laughs> oh, shoot, I hit. I didn't get my backup plan. And that's great. <laughs> that's a great way of just keeping all sorts of flexibility and enjoyment and all the dice thing. And you never feel like, oh, man, those dice just are killing me. You don't feel like you're losing the dice. You feel like you're losing, usually due to the overpowering nature of all the baddies who are attacking you. But you feel like you're losing due to tactical decisions, not just dice. And all the dice just lead to good times and enjoyment of, of rolling dice and having fun playing through the game. Excellent use of dice, excellent use of abilities, and how all of that plays through. Continue on abilities because all of the characters have different abilities and different dice. All of the enemies have different abilities or different levels or different things that they do. You'd expect almost that now that they've started abstracting away some of these things and giving abilities like, you know, there's all they have for a character is one tiny little poker chip. There's not a whole bunch they can put on there. It's not like an Arkham Horror where they can give a whole bunch of different card text on it. You only have one poker chip and you might think that, the bosses, the encounters, the enemies, they all start to feel the same. They don't. Everything feels really unique. They don't feel repetitive after having played, I don't know how many hours of this, but after having played it a whole bunch, they feel unique. They do not feel repetitive at all. And that's good. All of the enemies feel unique. All of the encounters feel unique. All of the bosses feel unique. That adds a lot of replayability and a lot of enjoyment to different plays which you would really need for a game as expensive as this. Mm -hmm. yeah. The same thing is with characters. You have a lot of replayability in the different ways you can focus, even if you're playing just one character. Unless you're playing a really long campaign where you will get absolutely everything by the end of it, which I've never even tried that. Um, you have different ways you can take characters. Usually different characters have different aspects they can focus on, and so you could just go down one route to try and focus on this one and see how does it work when you try and do this thing, or how does it work when you try and do this thing. And I've kind of felt like you succeed more when you try and pick a tactic of building your character and focus on it rather than trying to do jack-of-all-trades. So you're encouraged to try and use a different route with a different people, and again, that just adds a lot of replayability to the game. The only part that does not feel repetitive to me is the first three days. In the base game, the first three days are standard and fixed. Every time you play the game, the first three days are going to be the exact same. Hmm. You, I, there's a whole deck. There's a whole deck of different encounters and different things to do. I hate those first three days. I've seen them now enough times that I just want to get to all the newer stuff, all the different stuff, the stuff I haven't seen every single time. Mm. Yeah, I could see that would get boring. I can imagine it almost makes you want to not bother play. But what does it do? It kind of lets you like initially get enough experience and stuff so you could start your path. Right. So what it is is the first, the first time is get some experience or some items. The second one is have a a fight without too many other uh, different type things thrown in there. And the third one is uh, potentially get caught out by the enemies. And I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know. I, you know, they've, they've tried to do somewhat to solve this in later expansions, which aren't actually released yet. The only the Kickstarter for it, where there's multiple different, different of those first three days that you can have. I think that they're bringing up to four different sets, but still, I mean, there's a whole deck of things that I could see and play through, and I haven't played through all of the encounters. And, you know, I want to just skip the first three days and say, we win, we win, we win. Day four. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm almost tempted just to start doing that, because the the one that takes time is you're doing a fight where you are more than likely going to win, especially if you choose the easy mode for that one fight. And the one that's a dice roll-off, you either do a dice roll-off, or it'll take you to dangerous darts, which I'll get back to in a second. I just I just want to skip it. And probably once I'm stopped trying to play it, you know, strictly by the rules for review purposes, I'll probably just start skipping those three days. Hmm. You could probably just reduce the whole thing to, like, a die roll per day or something like that. Maybe. I don't really know. But I'll probably try and come up with some way to skip it, just because I'm bored of those three things. I don't want to see them again. That's okay. the only thing that feels repetitive. Other than that, everything feels really good. Um, so in general, the tactics and the gameplay itself is really good and everything feels really replayable. There's one other thing I just hate, (laughs) and that is dangerous darts. One of those first three days may have you encounter the real near traders who later on may pop up at random if you choose to encounter them. If you don't encounter them, you may randomly have a very difficult boss fight encounter. If you choose to encounter them, you may later randomly have to deal with this Dangerous Darts game. Dangerous Darts is an extra side game where it's essentially like a dice roll-off type game against the against the game where mm-hmm. you're sort of trying to do a, a mini push-your-luck game. Imagine if you're familiar with the fan, uh, fan, uh, excuse me, um, you're familiar with the Final Fantasy games. You've probably played one of those video games before, Albert. Yes. And most of them have the mini card game scattered around around their world, right? Okay. Yep. That game is sort of like what Dangerous Darts is. It's the mini mini game inside the bigger game. When I play the Fantasy Flight games, or the, the, not Fantasy Flight, the Final Fantasy games, I tend to skip the card games because I want to play the actual game. And I only do those card games for as long as the game usually forces me to do it. Please don't make me play the Dangerous Darts game. I want to play Too Many Bones. I don't even think Dangerous Darts is that good of a game. I've heard some other people who like Dangerous Darts. I heard that they had a tournament for Dangerous Darts at, at Gen Con. There may be some people who like Dangerous Darts. I wanted to play Too Many Bones. I don't think Dangerous Darts is well designed, and it kills the momentum because it's not, like, fast. It's not just a die roll. If it were just, hey, you play Dangerous Darts, roll a die. If you get a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you lose. If you get a 6, you get awesome, cool treasure. Give me the treasure. (laughs) If it were a single die roll, fine, but it's not. It's you have to sit here and you do this mini game. Ah, go away, Dangerous Darts. (laughs) <laughs> so, you're so, not a fan once again I may just house rule to say oh dangerous starts I win because I don't want to <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. so that's dangerous starts I mean as a contrast 
there's the lock picking mini game, which you may at one point in time find Trove Treasure, which is awesome, cooler purple treasure that at the end of a scenario, if if you want, you can try and take some time. There's no reason not to. You can take some time and roll some dice and try and pick some locks. It is a very simple game. doesn't take very long, and it gives you some cool treasure. This seems like a lot more fun because it doesn't feel like it's killing the momentum of the game to me. So I'm okay with the lockpicking game in comparison to the Dangerous Starts game, which it's a separate encounter. It advances my day track to have to go through with it. I may not come up with anything. And advancing your day counter means that the enemies you face next time are going to be harder. So, mm. okay, it sounds, but it sounds like there's at least a lot of variety in how you get to play. There is a lot of variety. There's a lot of replayability. There's a lot of different encounters, and the encounters are not just straight up. Oh, you have a bad guy, fight them. No, like sometimes they're like you're all in one line, or choose if you want to be poisoned or take out the this campaign, or everyone's in this unique way of doing it. Or you have some other guys who are shooting at you. And now they, they're coming out with the expansion that you have boats and rivers and all sorts of different things. You wouldn't expect that from a abstracted map that you'd be able to get so much different replayability. But they really have. And the game itself plays really well. So setting aside Dangerous Tarts, setting aside the first three days. Big thumbs up for the gameplay. I really like the gameplay. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And using the bones even sometimes like you're looking for bones it's a lot of fun i really like the gameplay nice so, okay that's the summary for that talking next thing about solo when you're playing solo you can either play with a single gear lock or you can play multi-handed my preference is to play two-handed but i've played one before as well one is easier to understand each of the different gear locks um are you know each of the different gear locks are different Good job. Each of the different gear locks are different because <laughs> they have different abilities, different dice, and they actually come. And I, I meant to mention this before. They actually each of the different gear locks come with this little uh, player card um, reference sheet that gives recommendations for what you should do if you're learning about the character or what you should level up. And that's great because when you play with a new character, like here's recommendations for what you should level up. You don't have to learn all 16 of your dice and all of the different dice faces, all things to do. Here's just some recommendations and ideas. Just pick these play through and see how it goes. It's interesting because they give two recommendations. There's one for stats and one for abilities. And then I'll tell you like, like which, which one should I do? Should I get more stats or, or, or more abilities? And usually I say just alternate between the two. So those player sheets are really good. And I meant to mention that back when we were talking about the rules, but as I'm saying now it sold up, if you want, you can play multi-handed. The other problem is that you may have to be like, I now have three reference sheets. I have a game reference sheet, a reference sheet for my right hand, a reference sheet for my left hand. If I'm playing with all four characters, my right right hand and my left left hand, I'm going to have five different reference sheets and a whole ton of stuff to try and keep track of. And that would probably be really wow. difficult for me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. But I do like playing two-handed because I like having everything mess off between it when you're playing one hand entirely you actually have a whole different set of solo encounters and that's fun because then you have new stuff to see <laughs> more cards <laughs> but the solo encounters work perfectly well it's the it's similar levels of challenge i think i think okay I don't know. but it, does it feel differently or just, just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel different it feels feels a different type of challenge because 
when you're playing with four players, you're going to be fighting harder difficulty people. When you're playing with one, it's easier. I've heard some fights online about people who are saying, well, one is harder than four or two is harder than four or four is harder than two. Because with four, you'll get the super hard dragons that come out. But with two, it's easier because then you never see the super hard dragons. Or some people say with two, it's harder because you may get some really hard thing and you're not set up to diversify out and get it. Or I've seen people who mm-hmm. argue about which one is which one is harder. I think I've had similar levels of personally. I've seen similar levels of success with both. I've seen similar levels of challenge with both. I like playing it just as much at two as at four. So if it's harder at one of the other, it's enough that I don't really notice it. And I think that they're the same level. That's just my opinion. Okay. And I especially don't think there's a difference between one and two in terms of difficulty level. I think those are very similar as well. So that's all about solo. I think we mentioned the expansions in here. I don't think they will. They have expansions, which are just more characters, and more things. Characters come in the base set. Four. And if you add more characters, does that mean you can have more players? Is it really you really only do four no matter what? Um, maybe you could. I think that would probably be ridiculous if you tried. <laughs> okay. I don't think you. I don't know if you can or not. I don't know if the rules specifically say not to. I don't have any of the expansions, so I don't think it would ever come up. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know. That's not something okay. I've ever considered. Um. So yeah, but there is expansion content. Yep. And there's also that new. Expansion is it an expansion or a standalone expansion coming out? It's a sta- there's a standalone expansion for Too Many Bones coming out. Yes, Undertow. Right, which if you're looking for a smaller, less expensive box, um, you can go with Undertow. But Undertow is not actually out yet. Undertow is the um, it they ran it as Kickstarter. This one comes with enough for two players. Uh, Undertow, I'm sorry, Undertow comes out with enough for two players. This one comes out with enough for four players. So there's more content in this one than an Undertow, but similarly, Undertow is less expensive. Mm-hmm. This one, the the main box, which is up to their third edition, um, is $125 for it. And you can only get it from Chip Theory Games. So you're not going to be able to find like cheaper on any Ninja Market or anything like that. You can only get it from Chip Theory Games because that's how it is that they sell it. The components that you get in there, you know, that's that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's certainly on the more expensive side to it. Yeah. But but it's, but it's because of the quality of the components. But it's because of the quality of the components. Really they have is. a lot of they have a lot of interesting and good stuff in there. And if, if you, you want think, just, you know, I say if you it, think you're going to be interested in the undertow, you probably want to. Go ahead and get order it now. You know they have a late pledge thing going on. The price is going yeah. to go up by ten bucks once once they close the late pledges. Yeah. So right now it's seventy five for it. Next it's going to be eighty five tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be eighty five, not tomorrow. It's going to be eighty five when that when, whenever it closes. I have no idea when that's going <laughs> to be tomorrow. So hurry right now, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but yeah, so so that that sounds interesting. It it does sound like an e game. How long does it last? The game? So speaking of how long it lasts, it can last forever. Um, I think they range, theoretically, it can be a five-hour game. Theoretically, it can be a one-hour game. In general, it's like two and a half hours for me. And that's on the more medium dif- the, the more medium characters. I've never played one of the ones that is rated at a four-hour game. There's no way of doing any sort of stop 
between them. Um, you can't pause in the middle without like doing some sort of package solution. I actually have posted to BGG um, the I printed off these little cards that would let you take a look and see how to save the game. You essentially write down what dice you use and then stack everything, all the cards behind it in order to be able to save the game well. And so that lets me save the game so that I could play for an hour in a three-hour scenario and continue that away. So that's that's what I use, but they don't put any way to do that. I kind of wish they would. At $125, I wish they would have put some way of doing a good sort of save in there, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it can take a really long time, but that's why I wish there was a better save solution. I like mine. I'm quite happy with my save solution. Okay. So, in final, I give it a thumbs up, both in solo and in multiplayer. I really like both of them. It's a lot of fun. Just, it's a little bit of, a little bit on the expensive side. Okay. Well, that does sound like a neat game. Right, so let's... Yeah, we're going a little bit long on time, but I think we're okay. It's not too bad, because the next game that we're going to talk about, Triplock, is probably going to go a lot quicker. It's a, there's a lot less to that game. <laughs> I'm going to let In you do what we're talking this time, Albert. Okay, um, all right, so so let's talk about Triplock. Same publisher, same designers, I guess. I believe that it's two brothers or something. I think they designed their own games, if I remember correctly. No, so I don't know their names. Um... Uh, this game, it's a it's a steampunk game about lock picking. It's it's sort of a weird, unique theme, and it works fine. And the gameplay is a little bit abstract. Um, the rules. Let's talk about the rules. I kind of already hinted at it. I was not too thrilled by the the rule book. It's a nice looking rule book. It's well laid out and all that, but I find it kind of hard to find information in there, and it's a little bit unclear sometimes. Um. I kind of wish I had a table of contents or an index. And I don't think it's... I mean, it is all in there, but it is just... It's not clear. And sometimes you need to refer to the reference sheet and whatnot, figure it out. Fortunately, it is not a big game. So you're not going to spend hours and hours. And it's only like, like I think, eight-page rulebook, and it's a small rulebook. The game comes in a tiny box. Um, yes, this is the small box game that they have. Yeah, five by five inches or something like that. Yeah, some maybe six. So, you know, so it's just... Not going to be a big rule book in there. Um, but like I said, it's an easy enough game. It's fast enough to play that you could still figure it out without a lot of trouble. Um, so that's the the rules. The the theme. Okay, the, <laughs> steampunk lot picking. Uh, <laughs> what the heck is that? Really? It seems a little bit weird. It's it's ah, uh, it's cool, but it's odd. Um, and it does kind of feel pasted on when you, you play. You don't necessarily really feel like you're picking locks. Though the way the mechanics are, you do feel like you're fidgeting with a machine. Yes. In a way. That's right? so very you do, true. You definitely feel like you're fidgeting with a machine. Yes. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like locks. It feels like, like gears in, in a machine. Yeah, really, that's really true. Um, but, you know, it's fine and it works okay. And, and it is satisfying. Um, the art in the game, I think, helps a lot with the theme, too. It, it does a good job, and it's well-designed and looks good. Um, components, right? So, so we already said Chip 3 Games makes great quality games, and, and this is no exception at all. Uh, again, it brings some nice heavy uh, chips in it. I think um, 12 chips that you're going to use in two different colors. There's two different types of chips that are in the game. It's got some nice cards again. Um, 
a, a play mat that comes rolled up in a tube. What was your opinion, by the way, on the PVC cards? Oh, they're fine. I didn't. Sometimes they're a little bit slippy, and you know they kind of slide around a little bit, but they don't bother me for the most part. Okay. Yeah, I think it's better the PVC cards in this game than that one because there's a lot less text on them than than in Too Many Bones. Yeah, there. The it's true. The text on the character cards is a little bit hard to read. Um, but you don't really need to read that so much. You don't need it to read much. Yeah, and this car, this game does bring these large character cards that are about the size of the box, and they're really just flavor text, just to give you a sense of the game. They, they you could throw them away; and it would never change the game one way or another. Um, and I do find those a little bit hard to read. I, I really have just ignored them because of that. Um, but the the one thing I don't like is the glass beads that come with this game. You know, whenever I have a game with glass beads, you know, these are like the kind you get at a craft store. To me, that right. always feels cheap. Why? I don't know. What do you want it to be? Because you could go to a craft store. You know what I like? I, in my box, I put in a couple of the plastic um, Fantasy Flight chips. You know, these little round no. candy-looking things. Why is plastic so much better than glass? I don't know. I really don't know. Okay, I didn't have this aversion that you had to it. I mean, we're trying to just show on a track what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And the glass slides really nicely on the neoprene mat. That's, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to say it, it makes sense or anything. Maybe it's just a weird quirk on my side, and that's fine. <laughs> yep. But I didn't like it. Though I, I did find in the solo game, I wish it at least were two colors. Because when I'm playing a solo game, you're marking a couple different things sometimes with the beads. And there are it two colors. just been a little bit helpful. Make it four, then. <laughs> I, I wish I had more beads. Oh, um, okay. And you know why? You're saying you wish you had an additional two colors. There you go, yes. And the the okay. reason is because um, the way you mark your points is you, you slide these two cards and keep them lined up. One card has a little key icon. The other one has numbers, and you slide it up so that the key points to the number. Yeah. I don't like that. I'd rather oh, have yeah, a counter okay. on the number. I, I totally hear that issue. Uh, that would have been nice to have a counter there, but limited components in a tiny box. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm nitpicking. I'm not really complaining. It's, this, no, yeah, that's what we do. This this game's terrible because of that. No, no that, that's that definitely game. what we do. We definitely nitpick when we do reviews. So. Yeah, and yeah, I do make it clear this is a nitpick. It is not a showstopper in any sense. Um, so I already mentioned there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in those cards with the flavor text, but they're nice. The 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 other thing is the dice. It brings custom dice again. Um, yes. Just two dice. The icons are never clear. You know, every time I I'm playing, I, I forget what they mean, and I have to go back and refer to the sheet. I mean, I'm sure with repeated play, it's it'll you'll learn it. There's only six dice. The problem is, is that right? There are you use each die, and you have a um, a die roll to figure out which of the different actions you can do. And they're not simple actions you can do. Like one die side is diagnose and disarm. Disarm a failsafe, if present, from on top of any mechanism within the visible lock area. Then also draw a new diagram. And you're condensing all of that into a 15 millimeter square. <laughs> it's a level of iconization that is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I kind of wish, it, when I've even been text. At one point, I'm like, I, I kind of wish, would this have been better if I had had an extra 
12 cards, for example, and you shuffle up six cards and draw them. Because with, with the PVC cards, they're pretty firm. They're pretty easy to shuffle because they do have a lot of slip to them. Would it have been better to shuffle up six cards and draw one of them so that I have a big icon with a, with a paragraph of text telling me what it is that I can do instead of using the dice? I, I would hate to have to shuffle them. But, but, you know, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that, that would make it easier to understand because each card could then show you. You know, it could be a chip. It's chip theory games, right? You could have a chip you draw out of a bag. It, that and might th- have also be worked. There'd ways to handle it. Yeah. I don't know if you would have had room for text on the chip, but you could have had room for just the name of it. So instead of just an icon, also said flip, diagnose, yep. expose, diagram. I don't know. Though what the dice does get you, they're fast. You know, rolling dice is a quick action, so... Drawing a chip out of a bag might have also been nice. I don't know. But it was hard for me with such small icons on it. Again, I'm repeating the same thing you had. I just, until I got very familiar with those action dice, I had to consult the reference sheet to tell me what those different icons meant. Yeah. And I haven't played, you know, I haven't played hundreds of games of this. So, yeah, put the game away for two or three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) You put it away for a few weeks and you come back, you're going to forget. And mm-hmm. not a big deal. The reference sheet explains it clearly. Yeah. So it's easy to do there. It's just, you know, again, nitpicking. Darn those nits. Well, I think that's actually a pretty... I, th- I think that's an important nitpick because you want the game to flow easily. And when you're constantly having to look at the reference sheet, it interrupts the, the play of the game. That's true. This is this is not just a simple nit for me. This This mm-hmm. was something that did relatively significantly make for a more adverse gameplay for me. Okay, and and I will say the, the at least the first few times you're gonna look at the the reference sheet that explains it, and it may still not be clear, and then you got to go back in the rule book and find that in the rule book, and I did find that that was the case a little bit, um, especially in terms of the there's a hidden component, and visible components, and it just has to do with the position on the lock, and some actions apply to some and some of the others, and I just didn't find that clear, um. But anyway, so gameplay. How about that? That is pretty fast and pretty simple, I think. Are you talking the, about um, the solo gameplay or the uh, multiplayer gameplay, or do you feel that they're the same? I'm talking about both. In in terms of, I think the the multiplayer game is going to be more straightforward. The solo is a little bit. Each time, th- there's multiple challenges, and each challenge plays a little bit different. So you kind of got to learn the rules to that challenge each time you play it. Okay. But even then, I mean, it's it's not. It's it's small. It's it's simple. There's not a whole lot to. I mean, the whole game is, you you put a bead on a space on the track, you, you or advance it on the track. When it reaches the right right point, either you take two points or you get a free action for one of the six actions you could pick. Then you roll the dice and you take the two actions on shown on the dice, or instead you trade those in for one action of your choice. And then if you have solved the puzzle, you go ahead and reveal it and verify that you're right or not. That's that's a whole turn. It's really simple. Right? So the solo game is just going to either change that around a little bit or or have other stuff happen during the AI's turn. Well, I mean, I think the solo game changes it around a lot for me. Yeah? I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, it, it does change the feel of the game. Absolutely. It changes the feel of the game a lot is the issue. With, yes. the, with the multiplayer gameplay, like you're talking about, you're trying to solve this lock. You'll have diagrams, and your whole goal is to solve these diagrams by arranging and reordering the, me- the mechanisms on the board, which are the poker chips on the board. And 
for the probably the first half of the game, those those mechanisms will be hidden. There'll be a poker chip sandwich essentially, um, so that the <laughs> one in the middle is the one that you're trying to order up, make make it a certain order. But it's going to be sandwiched by two other poker chips. But over the course of the game, the two sides of the sandwich are going to be removed so that the mechanisms will be completely visible. You'll know exactly what they are and you'll have to keep remembering what they are, which one time it's just a matter of being efficient and trying to do it faster than the other player. It's no longer a memory test. When you're playing a single player game, there have been mechanics that continue to recover mechanisms so that you have to keep remembering what it is that you're doing. If you play that you don't have to strictly remember it, you're allowed to peek at any point in time if you want to cheat like that. Um, but that I, is if you cheating. Want to take, that is cheating, yeah. The <laughs> game is meant to tax your memory. If you decide, I don't feel like taxing my memory, I'm going to play a game where I have perfect memory, so if I've ever seen it, I'm allowed to look, and who knows what. If you start playing that way, it gets really easy. The point of the game is to make it a difficult memory task to remember and plan while still remembering where everything is. And I've been tripped up a bunch on that. When you're playing mm-hmm. solo, when you're playing multiplayer very quickly that memory at task starts to reduce down and you don't have to task your memory nearly as much. You just have to be efficient. Yep. It becomes a race game. It becomes very a race much. game, which means that for me, the feel of the solo and the multiplayer game, they feel so dynamically different. And I'll tell you, I got this primarily for the solo game is what I got it for. When I got the Kickstarter for it, I got it for the solo game and that was what interested me. Mm-hmm. And the now, solo do you feels like so the different. multiplayer game in this? Or not so much. Not so much, okay. Not so much. I, I, I mean, yeah, this I is really I get back to in our final, I think, is when we get back to that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I agree with everything you've been saying about the gameplay. It's, it, it, I think it's a multiplayer race, a solitaire game. It becomes a, a memory puzzle that's strategic. And and it is challenging, Absolutely. It's challenging. It certainly is challenging. I like the memory aspect of it. It just mm-hmm. feels very different than the solo game, which we usually pan games for. Like if you have a multiplayer game with the solo component and the solo component plays entirely different than the multiplayer, we normally pan on it. We say, hey, this is not what it feels like. No, I don't. You do. <laughs> oh, I don't, mind if they, I don't mind if they feel different as long as it still feels good. Okay, well, I normally pan on it because I usually don't like that because I, I I don't like having two different games, especially when there's a risk that I'm not going to like one of them, which is more what happened yeah. here. Yep, and I, I know that's a common complaint amongst a lot of people too, it, which I understand. Yeah. But, uh, you know, an interesting thing about the solo game, so it, the way it works is actually you play four games at the campaign, right? Or is it four or five? I think it's four. There's a scenario card and you play through the scenario and your goal is to to beat that scenario, whatever the goal is on that scenario. And if you win it, then you go on to the next one. Uh, and each and of the scenarios feels very different as well. And they, they each feel very different. They have different goals. And some of them, your goal is to get a certain number of points. Some of them is just to solve the puzzle. And then what happens between each of your turns when the AI would be going will be different from game to game. And one of them... Maybe it just sort of moves them around. Another one, it doesn't do anything, but the things get covered. In another game, you have to get your own D6 and roll it, and then that decides what the AI does. And it isn't the sort of things players do. It's just, you know, it's actions to mess with you and and really to, to befall your memory. Um, and that's how it works. So your goal is to beat them, 
and we didn't really get into. I, I did mention his characters in the solo campaign. You you can only use each character once and for each game. So if I play the first scenario with the one of the characters, I can't use that character anymore. It's out of the game. I now got to use the other ones. So it sort of gives you a, a time limit. You can only play each of the scenarios so many times before you're not going to be able to complete the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right? If you run out of characters to play with. And I found that neat. However, I found that I preferred just playing a single scenario and not trying to go through the whole campaign. That's too much memory for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of agree with you. I've also enjoyed just doing the one scenario and not doing the campaign, but that's mostly just in terms of time. I, I just haven't wanted to sit down for that long. Yeah. I, I don't mind sitting and doing the same one three or four times if, if need be, and that's about it, maybe three times, and then I'm done for for the day. Yeah. It's a um, it's a big brain burner. It's really it, it's really tough it on is. the brain. And, and the first scenario is easy. That one's pretty easy. After that, they do get harder. As a matter of fact, I have not beat any of the scenarios other than the first one. Oh, really? Yeah, I have not. It doesn't help. I mean, I'm glad it's a fast game because I can't sit there for very long before somebody comes along and starts talking to me. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. I need to memorize this. Please hang on. <laughs> and then, you know, the kids just keep talking or the dogs begging me to let her out or, you know. <laughs> yes, I have that, the ability to play this in the middle challenge. of the night when nobody else is around. And yeah, that's much nicer. <laughs> much so, yeah. nicer. So yeah, so so we've talked about the gameplay, the solo game. Is there anything else you want to say about the solo game? Uh, once again, let's just talk about price because again, this is available only from Chip Theory Games. Um, yes, which means that again, I think that because it's only available from them, that makes their stuff just in general more expensive. And this one is thirty dollars for this for this kind of game. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's not bad. It's about the same as a like one of the Cosmos two player games or something in price. Well, I think the Cosmos two player that's as much as their MSRP, but I think in Cosmos two player you often go online for about twenty. You could find them cheaper, yes, if you look online and whatnot. Right, which is what you normally do. This one, I mean, the the poker chips in this one, I don't know. It just feels like it wasn't so necessary to have all that really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, none of the component quality is ever necessary in their games, but they sure are neat. I enjoy the poker chip part. They're a little hard to set up because you're supposed to look away from it while you do them. All right, Albert, so give me your final thoughts on Triplock. I like it a lot. I, I've enjoyed the game. I, I found it a fun multiplayer game, two-player game, and I found it a, a fun solo experience. They're both, like we said, they're both different, but I find them both satisfying mm-hmm. and quick. Thumbs up. And for me, I did not enjoy the multiplayer version. I enjoyed the solo version. Recall back when we had Wizards Academy, and that was a game that tasked your memory and had a memory component you were playing through it. This one really tasks your memory. If you want to do well and be successful, you really have to remember what you're doing and then be able to strategically plan out how you're going to move everything around while the game throws some more randomness at you and continues to push your memory even further. I like the solo mode version of it. I don't so much like the multiplayer mode because there's better race games. There's better race games for value. There's better race games for for gameplay mechanics. And this wasn't my favorite type of race type game. Once you start removing the memory aspect, it doesn't feel like the trip like I wanted. 
and that just disappoints me. So I just didn't, I did not so much enjoy the multiplayer mode and the solo mode is really hard. <laughs> this is a very hard game. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a neutral. I'm not going to give it quite a thumbs up. I'm only going to give it a neutral. Okay. Fair, fair enough. All right. The, the one more thing I did want to mention about the game, there are a couple expansions. Do, do you have any of the expansions for the game or just the I, when game? I backed on Kickstarter, I did get the expansions, but I haven't actually opened up the later expansions. All of them. Okay. I haven't opened up any of the expansions. Okay, yeah, it's possible I only... that I'm not going to be holding on to them either, in all honesty. Gotcha, yeah. I opened... I got the first one only. I decided not to back all of them. They're about $10 each. Um, and what it adds is uh, another puzzle to work through, another five challenges in the story. And it brings also another character that you could use. The characters tend not to be very solo-friendly. The challenges are specifically for solo. So it's a little weird of a juxtaposition there. But, um... I don't know how much value they add. I haven't played through it tons, really, through those expansions to have a sense of it, but I get the feeling it's just more ways to tax your memory, just different ways to, to do the same puzzles. So, I don't know. I mean, I think you, the base game will be plenty fine for a while, and at some point you may get bored of it. Then you could buy an expansion. So, yeah, there we go. All right, this one's gone a little bit long again. Surprise, surprise. So, we should probably just <laughs> let you guys go here. All right, everybody. Um, Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Um, Have a good week. Yep. All right. Bye-bye, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening. takes me to look it up just a moment or i can sing while you do that because this will entertain our listeners oh yeah that's totally going to the outtakes <laughs> it's because it will entertain our listeners especially, at work especially st- your voice breaking right there that's the best oh yeah uh yeah <laughs> i see okay. albert is correcting my spelling on here while i'm doing things <laughs> Just a second. We'll fix it. <laughs> Busted. Darn. <laughs> I'm looking at it too. <laughs> it's not like I'm not going to notice. <laughs> All right. I'm doing that again. <clears throat>